You know, there's a lot of things happening around the world, uh, certainly in the US. I noticed things are changing. Um, I, I heard uh, on the way in that the FBI has given a, issued a warning for, for travelers uh, because of what's happening uh, in Israel, D threats uh, toward, uh, towards Americans and uh, uh, Westerners in, in general. Uh, the world is on edge and we're seeing uh, Superstorms. We're seeing weather events that are that are wreaking havoc like we've never seen before. Uh, oftentimes, you you hear terms like biblical proportions, uh, biblical uh, events that are taking place, massive earthquakes taking place. Uh, we see record-breaking temperatures on both ends of the spectrum. We're seeing heat waves, and we're seeing f freezing, frigid, cold winter storms coming through like we've, we're not experiencing and it's just not just once off but a regular flow of these events are taking place on a, on a regular basis and we're, we're seeing you know wars certainly in Ukraine now in Israel and we're seeing a sense of anxiety in the world uh, that we've not really seen for a very long time perhaps since World War II we're seeing a lot of people asking questions, why is this happening? Desperately, people are trying to find answers to the, to the problems and solutions, uh, but they're coming up, primarily coming up empty. We're seeing a lot of children who are suffering from anxiety uh, and fear and depression, hopelessness. A lot of young children now like never before, uh, are on antidepressants, aren't coping. We're seeing a whole society that has lost a, a vision and an understanding and a purpose. And yet, even for God's people, even for God's people, it's easy for us to also lose our focus if we're not careful. And we need to stay focused, brethren, because there's a lot of things happening, and if we're not focused on the big picture, we get sidetracked with this and with that and with the smaller details and some, we can get derailed uh, and we can forget that God has a plan, that God reigns supreme in the universe. There is an answer to many of the problems that the world faces that we just simply, as a, as a society, we simply don't have the answers to and yet God has revealed that to his people. What an incredible privilege that is such a small group uh, has been given the vision to be able to understand that God has a plan and God has a purpose. What I want to talk about in the sermon today is vision. I want to talk about vision because, brethren, vision is vital. With so many serious things happening in the world, we cannot afford to become discouraged. We cannot afford to become fearful. Certainly, we do have certain worries that you know, life has has its ups and downs and its challenges. We will all be affected because of the cost of living, because of the environmental disasters that may take place. We've been given warnings time and time again to prepare for these things. We need vision to be able to prepare. But we must, as I said, we must never lose sight that God rules supreme on his throne. There's nothing that happens that he's not aware of. That he doesn't allow to happen if it's according to his will, of course. 
Nothing happens without his knowledge or his permission even. And we're reminded in Proverbs 29 where it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, where if you can't see, what do you do? Fall in a heap, become anxious, have anxiety. Proverbs 29 is, where, like I said, where, where it says there, where there is no vision, the people perish. So brethren, the question has to be asked of us, do we have that vision? Do we still have the vision? Can we see that God has a plan that Christ will return to save this world from itself? And we need saving. But do we also have the vision that God has a plan for us individually as well? That we've been called to be kings and priests. That we have a role to play in that you know, coming to church every week and living God's way of life, there's a purpose beyond, behind that. There's a reason why we do that. You have to have the vision to see that. We're not just ticking boxes here. We're preparing for something awesome, aren't we? You know, the, the world is in darkness, brethren, spiritually blind. It cannot see. God's people, we do not need to be like that. The title of my sermon uh, this afternoon, it's really five o'clock in the morning for me, by the way, so I think it's afternoon. If you fall asleep, it's probably because I've fallen asleep (laughs) first. But anyway, my title is Spiritual Vision, and you know, there's amazing miracles. There are amazing miracles that we see in God's creation, aren't there? One of those is the human eye. It's where we, how we see things. Kind of in the sermon that we talked, that was discussed a little bit. You may be interested in some facts about the eye. You know, did you know that the eye is composed of more than two million working parts? Two million. Two million working parts. The eye cannot be transplanted. You can't get an eye transplant because there are more than one million nerve fibers that connect each eye to the brain. One million nerve fibers connecting each eye to the brain, and, and doctors can't connect that many nerve fibers. You just don't have the technology, the, the ability to do that. 80%, brethren, of our memories <clears throat> are determined by what we see. 80% of our memories are determined by what we see. A fingerprint has 40 unique characteristics, but the iris has 256. 256 unique characteristics in the iris, and that's why they use retina scans for security. 80% brethren of what we learn is through the eyes. It's fascinating. And the eyes are the second most complex organ after the brain. That's that's the eye. That's what gives us vision. You may recall in an article that Mr. Smith wrote in the work of his hands, he wrote, and I'll just quote from it just quickly, he says, the retina is composed of more than 130 highly sensitive microscopic retinal cells. When the focus light strikes a retinal cell, a chemical cascade occurs that transforms light energy into electrical energy, which is then sent through the approximately one million nerve fibers of each of your eye to your brain, which decodes and interprets the signal 
into the image that you see. I can't even quite comprehend that. It's just amazing. He continues on, he says, all this is happening instantly at unimaginable speeds. The fully functioning eye, a marvel of design engineering that no human craftsman has been able to match. Our God created that. It gave us the ability to see. It's no wonder King David wrote, and was inspired to, to record how fearfully and wonderfully we are made. But God also warns that the eye, <clears throat> we need to be careful with the eye, because the eye can also cause us to stumble. You know, you may have heard the saying, don't judge a book by its cover. I don't know if you've heard that. When, I go, when my wife and I go and buy a bottle of wine, <clears throat> we're not really wine buffs, but we live in an area called Clarendon. Well, the office is in Clarendon. There's wineries everywhere in McLaren Vale. So you would think we would be able to choose a good wine. But instead, we just look at the label. And if it's, the label's artistic or pretty, we go, well, that's probably a good wine. That's <laughs> <clears throat> our secret. So just be careful. I, I, uh, I bought a house once and it all looked good on the outside, but found out it had termites. You know, underneath, it looked fine, but underneath all the timbers had been eaten out. The walls were just being held up by paint. So you've got to be careful what you see, what you're looking at and making judgments, because it looked good. The label looks good, but the wine was terrible. You know, in Proverbs 27, verse 6, it says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. We better be careful with, with what we do, what we see, how we judge. You know, so the wise man or the wise woman doesn't just believe everything he or she sees. It's a dangerous thing, brethren. It requires wisdom and requires understanding. You know, an example of, of this, we could go to 1 Samuel chapter 16. You know, God said to Samuel, go to the house of Jesse and anoint, I want you to go and anoint, anoint the next king of Israel. And of course, Samuel uh, thought, well, that's, that's an interesting responsibility and a job. He went to Jesse's house and he saw the eldest son. He was obviously had the age, probably was a pretty good looking, handsome, strong character and uh, let's, let's just read, because by worldly standards, he looked good. He looked good. But in 1 Samuel chapter 16, notice what we read here in verse 6, just breaking into the story. And so it was, when they came, uh, when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Verse 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance. Don't just look at, at what you, don't just trust your sight. Don't just look at his appearance or his physical stature, because I have refused him, for the Lord does not see as man sees. That's really the key, brethren. You know, we have to have the mind of God. We have to see beyond the physical 
We have to start to think spiritual. How does God think about this? How does God look at this? What does God want from us? Because I have refused him, for the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That's a key, brethren. So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one, and, and so on and so forth, until they finally got to uh, King David. Now, we can't obviously judge the outward appearance. Our, our vision can sometimes deceive us if we're not careful. Now, I think perhaps we've done this at one time or another, maybe judged judge someone. I know we probably don't like the idea to think that we can do that, but probably we've all done it. You know, judge someone by how they dressed, how they spoke. Maybe they had a strange Australian accent. <laughs> judged uh, how they talked. It's easy to make a judgment about someone or something only to sometimes find out that you've misjudged because you didn't take the time to really investigate, get all the facts. I don't know if you've seen that. I don't know if it's a TV show or something on YouTube or something, but the guy dresses up as a, you know, as a poor, he's, he dresses poorly, looks like a bum. I don't know, can you use that? Can you say that? And, and he tries to pick up the girl and the girl goes, oh, no, no, I don't want to, you know, he's not rich, not rich enough. And then he gets in his Lam Lambo and all of a sudden, just like that, she's his best friend and, and because we judge by the eyes, by the sight. And we have to be very careful about that, to make judgments based solely on what we see. Thankfully, that's what my wife did. She didn't make, you know, <laughs> never mind. You know, the, the eyes are the gateway to the mind. The eyes are the gateway to the mind. Remember, 80% of what we learn is through the eyes. Vision is important, brethren. You know, Psalm 101, King David was touched briefly. Actually, the, the concept was touched in the sermonette. <clears throat> uh, in Psalm 101, King David makes a statement which... Really is very important for us to all remember and to be sobered by, actually. But in Psalm 101, verse 3, he says, I will set nothing wicked. I mean, but we heard, gird up the, the loins of your mind, set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. And King David recognized, probably because of personal experience, how dangerous it is to put things in your vision, in your eyes, because they, that affects how we think. And so we need to ask ourselves, do we protect our eyes or are we exposing them to things we shouldn't be? What, what movies do we watch? You know, the violence. Are we exposing that, that mentality, that attitude to our mind? Through our eyes, remember, 80%, we learn. Now, what video games do we play? Most of the games are violent. And we need to be careful. And as parents, we need to be thinking about what we're allowing our children to be exposed to. You know, the pornography today is an, an enormous industry, but it's destroying the lives of so many young people. And I've counseled with people, and their lives 
have been ruined almost to the point where only Christ can, can heal them because of what they've allowed their eyes to view. That's why David said, he recognized that, and he said, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. You know, if you find yourself in a situation, brethren, and you go, you know what, this is, this is not good, then you have to consciously make a decision to leave or to turn it off. To say, I'm not watching any more of this. It's, this is wrong. That's, you know, that's our, our moments that God says, okay, now I know. <laughs> you know? Now, Proverbs uh, 7 is another scripture as well. Proverbs 7. <clears throat> In verse 2, notice uh, this scripture. It says, keep my commands and live and let my law, and my law, so keep my commands and live and my law as the apple of your eye the apple of your eye you know in the context this phrase refers to God's law being as precious to us as the apple of our eye and the apple of our eye is a reference to the pupil which is a very which is very delicate needs to be protected and and what what we're learning here is that God says his law needs to be protected like we protect our eyes our vision, our sight. And God's law is something to be protected, brethren, and cherished and taken care of. And so the eye can be used for both good and evil, as King David understood, as I said, probably for personal, from personal experience, because he let his eye fall on inappropriate sights, inappropriate images that ultimately leads us to sin. Jesus Christ gave an interesting but perhaps radical um, solution to the problem. Um, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Uh, and verse 29, notice what Christ said. Matthew 5, 29, when it comes to putting things before our eyes, our vision. Verse 28, Matthew 5, verse 28. But I say to you that whoever looks on a woman to lust after to, to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If you're, and here's the, here's the solution, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Now, I don't think... Mr. Weston wants everybody coming with eye patches to church next week because you've all plucked your eyes out, all right? But it's a hyperbole, right? It's, it's, it's an exaggerated statement for effect. It's like me saying, boy, I'm so tired, I slept for a week when I got to America. Well, I didn't literally sleep for a week, but it, it make, it's making the point how tired I was. And Christ is making the point how dangerous sin is. It's so dangerous that if you, if you keep gazing on it, if you keep allowing that to come into your sight, then it will kill you. And he's saying better to remove your eye, better to sacrifice that than the, the alternative. And he's not literally saying, you know, pluck your eyeballs out or in the next phrase that he talks about if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. But he's, he's using that as an example for emphasis to help us understand how dangerous 
these things can be. Of course, verse 28 gives us, really, it's not the eyeball that's the sin. It's what, the, what, you, what we end up seeing that brings us to that. In verse 28, we read that, but it says, But I say to you that whoever looks on a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery with her in, her, in his heart. And, of course, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who could know it? So we can't underestimate how dangerous it is when we linger on these things and where it can take us. You know, if we don't repent of sin, brethren, if we don't cut sin out, metaphorically speaking, then we, we will die spiritually. And it's like, you know, if you look at it from, say, a physical con- concept, it's like cancer. You know, you, you, you realize you have a tumor or a cancer that's growing in your body you know, oftentimes people go to the doctor and what will they do? They'll get it cut out because they realize if they leave it, that will spread. It could potentially spread through the whole body and ultimately lead to, to death. And so we, we, we understand that when we go to a doctor to cut out those sorts of things. Christ is saying sin is very similar to that and it must be completely repented of. And that's true repentance, complete removal of that sin that may be uh, taking root in our life. I think we understand what Christ is talking about. So how do, we, how do we move on from here? Brethren, the ability to have vision and to see clearly and witness God's creation, that's, that's physical sight. But what God wants us to do is to have spiritual vision, to have spiritual sight, to be able to understand his truth, how do we do that? To be able to understand that God has, has the truth that he has hidden in general from the world. And, but it's, it's necessary to have spiritual sight for us to be able to see his plan. How do we get that sight, brethren? 1 Corinthians chapter 2 gives us the answer to that. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So we're not talking now about the things we can physically see. We're talking about the vision of God's plan to be able to understand what God is doing here on earth, that he has a a future and a purpose for us and for all of humanity. That takes something different than just reading the scriptures, doesn't it? We need more than that. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 6 We read here, however, the Apostle Paul writes, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age. There's a lot of smart people in the world. They don't have the answers to life, do they? Not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God. That's powerful, brethren. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom. It's hidden from the world, which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered the hearts of men the things which God has prepared for those who love him. We're talking about spiritual vision now. 
He's talking about your calling, having our minds open to the truth, understanding this book that you know, so many people have sitting in their shelves or going to church on Sundays, and they still haven't unlocked the truth and the meaning that is in there. It's so simple until God, well, it's not simple until God opens our mind, isn't it? It's been hidden from man. Verse 10, but God has revealed them to us. The, this truth, this knowledge, this understanding, he's revealed this to us, this mystery to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the spirit of man which is in him, but even so no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. That's why when perhaps you talk to your neighbors and you, they ask and they say, well, what's going on in Israel? And you start talking about, you know, the history of Abraham and Isaac and Ishmael and Jacob and Esau and the Amalekites. And they're like, what are you talking about? That's because God has opened our mind to understand these things. You know, as it says there, do you see your calling, brethren? It's a great gift. It's a great privilege that God has given to us. Verse 12, now we have, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. That's why I said in the beginning, if we don't have vision, brethren, when we see these things happening and increasing, we, we can, there are answers that God has given to us. He's given to us prophecy. He's given to us the you know, a vision of the future so that we can understand what's happening in the world around us. Verse 12, now we have, not, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that the things that, um, known, the thing, uh, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God, these things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Again, what a great privilege and a blessing that God's given to us. In John 9:39, I'll just quote that. Don't need to turn there. It says, And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into the world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. God has given us incredible vision, and we have to be very grateful for, thank you. It's a miracle uh, that God has allowed us to, to be able to see these things. But we're given sight for a reason. We're given this, this, this spiritual vision for a reason. What does God want from us? How do we use that? You know, God has told us to be, to be watchmen. We have a job to do. A watchman for the house of Israel and, and the world to watch out for false teachers. We need spiritual vision and discernment to be able to understand what we see. So we need to watch out for false teachers and deceivers and false miracles. There's a great false prophet going to be coming onto the scene and many will be deceived. And even the elect. These are warnings for us, brethren. We have to have the vision to be able to see these things for what they really are. We have to be watchful for our surroundings. We're given that responsibility. And we also have to watch the company that we keep. 
or requires vision, spiritual sight. But brethren, when we're called and God gives us his Holy Spirit, we don't go from being spiritually blind. We don't go from being spiritually blind as we perhaps were before our calling to all of a sudden having 2020 spiritual vision where we know everything, we can see everything. Be like shining a flashlight in your eyes after being in the dark your whole life. You'd, you know, that'd blind you as well. Now it's a process. It's a process that God reveals gradually bit by bit. It's like a, this is like an eye operation that perhaps that we might have, a spiritual eye operation that of itself is painless, but there's preparation on our part that we have to, that we have to go through. And we have work to do ourselves as, we, as that sight becomes apparent to us. We have to pray. We have to study. Fasting. All, the, all of these are components of getting our spiritual vision. And of course, having faith is one of the most important things that we need to be able to have this vision. Let's have a look at Hebrews 11 as well. Hebrews chapter 11. Faith is, is vital, brethren, for this spiritual vision that, we're going, that we do need. Uh, the saints who have come before us had this vision, and they demonstrated it by the, the, act, the choices that they make, the decisions that they made. <clears throat> and of course, brethren, in, in years to come, maybe not even years, we're going to have to walk by faith. Things are going to happen in this world, and you're going to ask yourself, how do, I, how do I deal with this? What do I do without compromising on the truth? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, we'll just read a little bit about this vision that these who we read about in the faith chapter had. Verse 7, by faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear. Boy, he had vision. Not, not physically, but spiritually, he had faith. He could see that God was preparing something. And he says, prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of, of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to the place which he would receive and as an inheritance. And he hadn't seen it physically, but he had the vision. And because of that, he was able to act because he could see beyond the, the immediate. By faith, verse 9, he dwelt in the land of promise as, a, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise, for he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Do we not have the same vision of that future? And we not just all come back from the Feast of Tabernacles talking about the coming kingdom of God. Perhaps we talked about the new Jerusalem coming down and God the Father. Did we have the vision of that? Did you catch the vision at the feast and long for that? Well, these men did. They walked by faith. You can continue on. Verse 13, these all died in faith not having received the promises, but having seen them far off. were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. I think we can empathize with that, can't we? 
<laughs> we f feel that way as well sometimes. Boy, I'm just a, a stranger. I don't fit into this world. I'm just a stranger in this world. The strangers and, and pilgrims on the earth, for those who say such things, declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind the country from which they had come out, they would have opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Brethren, we have to catch the vision. We're talking about vision here. So just... Because we have some sight now, brethren, some spiritual sight, we can see that God has a plan. There aren't dangers. There are things that we uh, need to be careful of because we could re revert back to that darkened state that we were before God called us. You know, you may have seen that happen, even friends and family. And they've come in, called into the truth. They're excited about the truth. They sat in the, the seats next to you. And all of a sudden, they slowly lost their vision, started to go blind again, spiritually speaking. That's a sad state. And I think, you know, he who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall, because that could happen to any one of us if we're not careful. You know, there are some physical eye conditions that we can compare to some spiritual conditions of blindness as well. Things that can, can affect us even in the church. I want to examine four of those uh, conditions. Uh, there are others, but we're going to talk about uh, four physical, con physical conditions which it can actually relate to spiritual conditions as well. The first one is myopia. Myopia. That's when you can see close up but you can't focus on the distance, things in the distance, or we call that nearsighted. And many of us can suffer from myopia. We can see the things that are happening right here, but we, we, we can't see in the distance. Let's have a look at an example of this in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, this condition of myopia. Uh, and verse 38, Luke 10 verse 38. Now it happened as they uh, went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to, do, to serve? Uh, well, to serve alone? No, Martha was a bit upset because she was doing all the, the heavy lifting. She was cleaning and getting everything ready and probably preparing some food and just making it just right. You know, and, and of course, we, we certainly do want to, you know, we have a guest. We, we don't want to leave the house a, a mess. You know, there are certain, there's a certain degree of responsibility that we do have to have, but she was distracted by that, and that was, became almost an obsession for her. You get that, that sense that that was the priority, and yet she was, well, we can continue reading, she was distracted by that, approached 
Christ and said, Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. As she, <laughs> you can imagine uh, her motivations there. But Jesus answered and said, Probably not what she was expecting. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, uh, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. You know, Christ is making the point here is that Martha was distracted by all the things physical, like what was happening now, and she didn't have the vision to see that this was the Messiah. This is the time. It's not to get sidetracked with doing all these physical things, all the day-to-day the -day things of life, but to seeking first the kingdom of God. I mean, where is our priority? And sometimes we can get, we can suffer from myopia. Uh, and in this case, that was her problem. She, she was distracted. And, and brethren, we can be distracted from, by work, you know, our hobbies. How, how easy it is to be distracted in this world today. You know, how much time do we spend on the computer, on games, when we... And we're not spending time in this book. We're not taking time to commune with God as we should, and yet we're so distracted with all these physical things. It's easy. I think we can all, from time to time, at least I can, you know, I can admit I can get distracted. And we, we've got to be careful about that. And certainly physical things need to be considered, but not at the expense of her, her eternal life. Mary, on the other hand, she had a different problem, let's say. Yes, she did the right thing. She sat at Christ's feet. She could see that Christ was offering something incredible, worth being just, you know, worth focusing on. But she also neglected some of the physical things as well, which upset her sister, Martha. And so it leads us into our second condition, hyperopia. Hyperopia, which is farsighted. So that's when we can see far away, we can see the future. But the things that are near, we can't see so well. Like without my glasses, I can't see my, the words on, on the book, in the Bible. And so, yes, we, we all have to seek first the kingdom, but we have a job to do, don't we? We have a work to do. We can't be just saying, well, I'm just here to seek first the kingdom, and, you know, I don't, I, and that's it for me. No, we've been called to do the work. There's a work that has to be done, preaching the gospel, preparing the bride. There's some physical things that we have to, to, to be engaged in, isn't there? Overcoming personally, individually, we have to, we have to look at ourselves and, and identify those things and, and start to change and develop God's holy, righteous character. You know, hyperopia is a problem that affects how we see ourselves and how we see other people as well. Notice Christ's teaching on this particular problem in Matthew chapter 7. Remember, we, see, we can see the distance, but we can't see close. Matthew chapter 7 is a good example of this problem that we can suffer from, this vision problem. Matthew 7 verse 3, 
Matthew chapter 7, verse 3, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? So it's, it's easy to see everyone else's problems, sometimes hard to see our own. It's easy to look out and go, well, I can see clearly. But can I see myself? Christ is saying, hey, we need to be very careful about this. He says, hypocrite, verse 5, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly. It's called humility. You will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You know, we can, unfortunately, we can fall into that trap of being able to very easily see each other's faults. Certainly happens in, in relationships, you know. Certainly happens in, with friendships. Happens in the church. Happens at work. You know, it's, all, it's, just, it's so easy to, to spot the, the problems in our, in our friends and neighbors. And yet sometimes we, we can suffer from the same or even worse problems ourselves and, and be oblivious to it. There's a danger. Uh, that we can uh, uh, be afflicted with, a condition that can afflict us all. You know, the side effect of this is self-righteousness. We're able to point out everyone else's problems, vanity sometimes, pride. So we need to make sure that we, rather than finding the speck in our brother's eye, we need to tackle and, and overcome this spiritual problem and be able to focus on ourselves. Now Christ said there in, in chapter 7, verse 1, he says, Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And then he goes on, he says, Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye? So there's a, a, a warning there we need to be certainly mindful of. So it leads us now to our third vision impairment. Uh, it's called presbyopia. Presbyopia is blurred vision. Uh, and it's a condition in which the lens of your eye changes and is less flexible, making it difficult to focus. Hard to focus on things. It usually happens uh, in older people. Younger people don't typically have this uh, problem. And it also happens when you're in the church for a while. Not necessarily always with older people or if you're in the church for a while, but blurred vision is is when you can't see clearly. Things aren't clear anymore. Right and wrong. Good and evil. Clean and the unclean. Things become just, just blurry. Let's have a look uh, in an example of this. Ezekiel chapter 22. Ezekiel chapter 22. Now, the children of Israel got to this point, unfortunately. They couldn't really focus on, on what was right and what was wrong. And we see this in society today. You know, it seems like everybody has their own version of what's right and what's wrong. Yet there is problems with that, brethren. Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 26. We'll just read a, a section of this. Verse 26, So priests have violated my law, and profaned my holy things, and they have not distinguished between the holy and the unholy. You know, that's one of the things that God 
wants for us to get to the point where we can say, is this, is this God's law? Is this God's way of life? Is this how I should conduct myself? But in Israel, in Israel, the people of Israel here, they said, my holy things, they have not distinguished, they cannot, it's become blurred. I can't distinguish between the holy and the unholy, nor have they made known the difference between the unclean and the clean. So they defiled themselves. And they have hidden their eyes. Talk about vision. They've hidden their eyes from my Sabbath so that I am profaned, profaned among them. Her princes in her midst are like wolves tearing their prey. They don't know who they're, you know, the, the, the innocent people are being um, attacked, being victimized to shed blood, to destroy people and to get dishonest gain. Their prophets plastered them with untempered mortar, seeing false visions and divining lies for them, saying, thus says the Lord God, when the Lord has not spoken. And we need to be careful we don't get blurred vision and we stop seeing where the lines are drawn. You know, the Sabbath is the Sabbath, sunset to sunset. We start blurring that, making excuses. That's a condition called presbyopia. We start getting blurred vision. We start compromising. You know, we see a similar um, example, I suppose, of this in the end time church revelation chapter 3 we can turn there as well revelation chapter 3 and of course so it affects us living in this end time and so we need to be aware of it revelation 3 and verse 16 we can read here so then because you are lukewarm and neither hot oh sorry neither cold nor hot i will vomit you out of my mouth you know blurred vision not hot not hot not cold uh, because you say I'm rich, I'm rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, blind and naked. Of course then we're counseled to anoint our eyes with ISAV that we may see. Talking about spiritually now. To see the truth, to not compromise. And it's a condition that causes... Blurred vision, presbyopia, and it causes us to become lukewarm, brethren. Just like, you know, Elijah said to the priests of Baal, if, if God is God, worship God, but if Baal be God, worship Baal. You know, we can't blur the lines when it comes to the truth. <clears throat> the fourth and final is astigmatism. Astigmatism is, uh, causes a number of conditions, including blurred vision. A hazy, distorted vision, images become crooked, uh, they can overlap, it's interesting, uh, and cause your eyes to focus on two separate points instead of one. Uh, some of the side effects of stigmatism, eye strain, uh, sore eyes, discomfort, headaches, night vision problems, and more. And it's, not, it's a nasty condition, you know, stigmatisms. You know, sadly, this is uh, another spiritual problem that can affect us if we're not careful and we can lose as it says um, things become distorted people can can lose um, um, their vision becomes blurred as well I lose a sense of balance as well we can lose a balance brethren if we have astigmatism on doctrine we need to be 
balance in, in those things, our sense of balance of moral values, church standards can be affected by astigmatism and also the church traditions. These things are very important. And as a result of this condition, we can very easily lose sight of our priorities because things get crossed over. We stop seeing you know, the straight line that God has called us to walk. Now, an example of this is in Jeremiah chapter 6. Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 16. Jeremiah 6 verse 16 Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Now it seems like a lot of people just, you know, we don't want to worry about, I don't worry about how things were. Let's, let's, let's do it. We've got a new way to do things now. We wanted to, to, you know, make things new and fresh. But brethren, the old paths, they're well trod. They're safe. And whenever I would go hiking, you always try and stay on the well-worn paths because you knew that, that there were a safe path. And the moment, you know, when the path starts to get a little thin, all of a sudden you realize you're probably following a track of a, of a kangaroo or a wallaby or, a, or whatever you've got here. <laughs> and then you could be walking on this path for an hour or two and realize this is not the path. This is somebody else's path. You know, God has given us a path. And he wants us to stay on it. But here we see stand in the way and see and ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it. We don't have to change. You know, God is the same yesterday, today and forever. We don't have to go looking for a new path, a new way. The old way works. The way God set before us is the right path. And you will find rest for your souls. It's safe. You know, God's laws are safe. You know, we don't have to have anxiety and fret and worry. The moment you go off that path, that's when problems start. That's when your life starts to go a different direction. You think, boy, this is not working out anymore because you've decided to go on a different path. He says, it's the good way. Walk in it. You will find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. God's not going to tell us what to do. We're going to do our own thing. And he says, I set before you, well, I set, also I set watchmen over you saying, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not listen. You know, this, the trumpet was this, the, the, the alarm, the sound of war to wake us up. And we need to be watching, brethren. We need to have the vision to know because the world is coming apart. It's unraveling before our eyes. And if we're not watching, we'll get caught up with the whole world in, in what's they're trying desperately to hang on. But there's, a, there's an alarm. They didn't want to listen to it. But they said, we will not listen. Therefore, therefore, hear, you nations, and know, O congregation, what is among them. Hear, O earth, behold, I will certainly bring calamity on this people. And our nations have turned from God. They're walking a different path. And God says here, because you've gone on a different path, behold, I will certainly bring calamity on this people, the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not heeded my words nor my law, but rejected it for what purpose to me comes frankincense, 
frankincense from Sheba and sweet cane from far country. Your burnt offerings are not acceptable, nor your sacrifices are sweet to me. Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I will lay stumbling blocks before this people. You wonder why things aren't going so well anymore, why there's problems, why you know, we can't get ahead while these nations, certainly the Israelite descended nations are struggling, losing their respect of the world. There are stumbling blocks that are being put there because we have turned from God. He says, I will lay stumbling blocks before this people and the fathers and the sons together shall fall on them. You know, but if you, know, if you, have, if you have vision... You'll see those stumbling blocks and you'll be able to walk around them. You'll be safe. But Israel was blind. They're spiritually blind and so they stumbled on them, they fell on them. The neighbor and his friend shall perish. That's a warning for us, brethren. That's why we need spiritual vision. Because of spiritual stigmatism, as I said, moral standards, values, they become distorted. We can't see clearly anymore. And all of a sudden we're doing things, behaving in ways that would disqualify us from being in God's kingdom. Brethren, any one of these conditions, any one of these four conditions could lead to spiritual blindness. And they could take us out of the church. And worse, indirectly or directly, will destroy your relationship with God. And then sadly, the result of that may prevent us from being in God's kingdom. So we need to be conscious of, we need to be thinking about, we need to be aware, aware of these spiritual conditions uh, so that we can overcome them. Brethren, in conclusion, we are heading for some very uncertain times. There's no doubt that the world is changing. It's changing very, very quickly. It's changing here, it's changing in Europe. We see China, we see North Korea, we see Russia. The powers are moving and shifting in the world. What we have known to be normal is no longer normal. Things are changing. But if we have the vision, if we don't lose sight of what God has revealed to his people, then we don't have to, to stumble. We don't have to perish, as we read in, we referred to in Proverbs. As it says, without vision, the people perish. Brethren, our, our future depends on how well we see. And really what a blessing it is to have the truth and to be invited to be a part of this end time work. You know, what a privilege, what a blessing that God has given to us. I hope we, hope we understand it and I hope we know it. And we know it and we know that we know it. That God has called us into this, really the most important work on the face of the earth. There is nothing more important on this planet than the work that God has called us to be a part of. And what a privilege it is to be able to have the vision to see God's plan and to be called to be a part of it. So brethren, let's have the vision to endure to the end for our redemption draws near.